0: First Corinthians, the tenth chapter, and the thirteenth verse. First Corinthians ten thirteen. It says, "There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful." Say that out loud. But God is faithful. Now he's faithful. We know he's just faithful, generally speaking. But specifically, he's saying he is faithful uh, in that he won't suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able. He's talking about temptation. Now, temptation is very real. And every one of us in life is subject to it. I heard a fellow a while back Talk about he had an experience in the Lord, and he was no longer even tempted. You know, couldn't be tempted. Well, that's just not true. Jesus himself was tempted Mm -hmm. in all points like as we are. It's not a sin to be tempted. You haven't missed it unless and until you give in to the temptation you yield to the temptation. You act on the suggestions and thoughts and feelings that are wrong. But it's something that's not talked about many times in church. People like to, because of embarrassment, because of shame, because any number of things, uh, they just like to come to church and kind of leave the impression, oh, no, no, everybody here is great. Nobody's having any problems nobody's making messing up, making mistakes, but that's not reality. You can be a born again child of God, name in the lamb's book of life, love the Lord, and yet be giving in to temptation on a regular basis. You don't have to right, but it is happening many many cases and uh no judgment if you 're honest, you 're not going to judge somebody else because you yourself hmm, have yielded to some some things that were wrong, and you might think, "Well yeah, but I've never done that." Well, <laughs> the Bible doesn't uh, categorize sin like people do. Uh, God looks at the heart, and rebellion is rebellion. Disobedience is disobedience, ignoring god's ignoring God. Sin is violation of light. The Bible said, him that knows to do good and does it not to him, it's sin. You're you're either doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, or you're not doing something you know you should be doing. But it has to do with what you know and violating what you know. You have been and you will be tempted to violate what you know is good and right. Somebody said, don't confess that over me. It's life, brother. It's reality. And you'll, you'll do one of two things. You and I both will either resist the temptation or we'll give in to it. We'll do one, one or the two. Well, this is some of the most wonderful news you could ever hear. First of all, nothing, no, no kind of temptation is going to happen to you that's not common to people all over the planet. It's not some rare, crazy thing that nobody's ever experienced that's happening in your life. The devil will tell you, nobody knows what you're experiencing, what you're going through. That's not true. It's not true. People say, well, I guess I'm just different from everybody. No, you're not. You're a whole lot like everybody else. (laughs) And the temptations, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Here's the good news. God... But God is faithful. Now some people have taken this and twisted it and tried to make it say, God won't put more on you than you can stand. Have you ever heard anything like that? God won't put more on you than you can stand. This verse does not say that. It does not even come close to saying that. Because God is not the author of the temptation. He's not the one tempting you. James says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. Because God cannot be tempted of evil, neither tempts he any man. He's not the tempter. There's a devil. He's real. He has those working with him. He, they are the tempters. He brings to you thoughts, feelings, suggestions, And tries to push you and tries to press you to do things that you ought not do. Mm -hmm. But God is faithful. Somebody say, God is faithful. God is faithful. He won't suffer. That's a King James word. He won't allow you to be tempted above that you're able. He won't let the enemy tempt you beyond what he knows you can resist and overcome. God's not tempting you. He's preventing the enemy from tempting you too much. That's it. That's the word. Is that good news or not? This is good news. Not only that, He won't allow the enemy to tempt you beyond what He knows you can resist and not give in to, and He also makes a way out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you can bear, you can deal with the temptation, you can resist, you can overcome. No matter what happens, this is good news. No matter what happens in your life, you can say, God is faithful, and he's already made a way out of this. Well, no matter what kind of physical problems, financial problems, relationship problems, whatever it is, you know God's there, he's faithful, he's not surprised by this, he's already got your way out. Hallelujah. Now, uh, this morning, we got into some things that I'm very excited about, and for those of you that weren't with us, I I want to go over them as briefly as I can. Go to John 7, please. John chapter 7. I've been in the ministry now for over 35 years, not saying that's a long time, it's just longer than a couple of years. And uh, have seen things that work and things that don't. There's a lot of stuff in Christianity that's religious. And it doesn't work. It's phony. And people believe it. They've heard it. But it's not Bible. It's not right. And uh, there are folks who are not going to church. And even some people that are going to church who have missed it in the same area, not once, not twice, not 10 times, not 20 times, but over and over and over again. And now they are hopeless feeling. And they feel like they got no, no strength. They've They've said they weren't going to do it again. They've prayed. They've done all kinds of things, and then go back and do it again. And uh, what can you do in a case like that when it seems like you got no hope? you got no strength. And when, I, when we talk about temptation, don't just let your mind go to one or two things. You can be tempted to doubt. Yes. You can be tempted to fear. Tempted to get angry. Temper. Tempted to use foul language, tempted to uh, to lie, tempted to steal. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you know are wrong, but even though you're born again and your new creation on the inside, your body's the same as any unbeliever. And if your mind hadn't been renewed, it'd be the same as an unbeliever. And it'll still want to do the things you did before you got saved. Because your body didn't get saved. Your mind, unless you renew it, it's not renewed. What can you do? I've ministered to people. I've counseled with people. I've prayed with people that were just at their wits end. Suicidal. So ashamed. So embarrassed. Messed up in the same areas. Over. And here's one of the worst things. You can be at a place where even though you know it's wrong, part of you wants to do it. Even after all this, part of you still wants to do it. And so you say, maybe I'd like to be free, but part of you wants it. That's what uh, James talks about when he said, Don't let anybody say that you're tempted of God. But everybody is tempted when you're drawn away of your own desire and enticed. Your own desire, that's not the devil, that's you. Part of you wants that. And then the devil is doing the enticing. But I got some good news. Ready for some good news? Good news. Even at the lowest point you could possibly be, no hope, no strength, faithless, part of you don't even want to get free, there is a way out. We know that from our text. Right? God is faithful. He won't allow the enemy to tempt us beyond what we can resist and overcome. And he always makes a way out. There's a way out. A way to overcome. John 7, are you there? John 7, 17, Jesus said, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Now this is something that many have wrestled with. What's God and what's just me? What's God and what's people? And here he gives us insight into how to get the knowing or the revelation. Listen to the Young's literal translation of this. And like it's titled, it's very literal transliteration. Uh, Beware of uh, modern translations. Uh, a number of them are just, uh, they're not a translation. Right. They are a paraphrase. Yes. And a translation implies it's a word for word right. of what was said in the other language. Yes. And many of these translations, they're not telling you what it said. They're telling you what they think it means. Right. Big difference. Yeah. Uh, let me give you an example. A number of modern translations will have this phrase on any number of different verses, try to do this or try to do that. The Lord never told you to try anything. (laughs) That would imply that either, you know, maybe you could do it or you couldn't do it, or maybe he didn't know whether you could do it or not. Neither one of those is true. He knows if you can do it or not. And if he told you to do it, even if you were unable to do it before he told you, when he told you, with his command came the enabling and power. Like when uh, Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. When he said come, he can do it now. Peter can do it now. Can you see that? So uh, be on the watch for those kind of things. Young's Literal says, if anyone may will to do his will... He shall know. You'll know. You'll get clarity. But what has to happen? You've got to be willing to do His will. And you've got to be willing to be willing. Even when part of you is not, you can ask Him to help you, and He will work in you to desire to do what He wants. Even when you're not there. Is he good or is he good? Go to Hebrews 13.21. Hebrews 13.21. This is a prayer. And you can pray it for yourself. In fact, we're going to do it. Hebrews 13.21 says, we might say it like this, the Lord make you perfect or complete in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So go ahead and pray this out loud. Do it because you mean it. But say it out loud, Father God, God, I I do love you. I do, believe in you, I do believe in you, and I'm asking you, and I'm asking you make me complete, make me complete in, every good work in every good work to do your will. To do your will. Work, in me, work in me that which is well-pleasing, that which is well-pleasing in, your sight, in your sight through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. To, your glory. to your glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Even when you're without strength, you've blown it in the same area 150 times, part of you don't even want to get right. If you're willing to get willing and you'll ask him to help you, he will help you with that on the inside. You just give him a little bit to work with. He can get you started and if you keep going, you can come all the way out. In Philippians... 2.13, having prayed that prayer, you can make this confession, Philippians 2.13, and if you don't know this one, mark it, and especially if you've been really going through some things and and yielding to the same stuff, if you need to, write this on your hand, do something, get it in front of you, because this is a weapon against the problems in your life. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which works in you. Both. There's two. Both means two. Two things. To will is one, and to do is the other. Of what? Of his good pleasure. What pleases him. Even if you're not there, you can, when we've prayed that prayer in Hebrews, we can say, Lord, you heard my prayer It was your will. You heard it. You granted the request. You do when it's your will. And I confess, you are working in me to will to do it and to be able to do it. (laughs) Praise God. The New Century Version says it like this. God is working in you to help you want to do it and to Be able to do what pleases him. Even if you don't want to do it. You might as well be honest with him. He knows anyway. (laughs) Playing games won't get you anywhere with God. All things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He sees right through all of the facade. Sees right down into us. And if you... Hadn't wanted to do it. Hadn't been willing to do it. He knows it. But that doesn't mean that you're hopeless and without help. If you're willing to get willing. (laughs) He said, I will work in you to want to do it. And to be willing to do it. And I will work in you to give you the ability to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody's getting free. Somebody's getting free, and somebody's going to stay free. The New Living Translation says it like this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. If you prayed that prayer just a moment ago and you meant business, now you can say this with authority. Say it out loud. God God is is working in me. me. Giving me the desire to to do his will will. and giving me the power to to do what pleases him. him. He's He's working in me. He's working in me now. He'll be working in me later tonight. He'll be working in me in the morning. What? To will to do what pleases him and to be able to do what pleases him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, that's a big part of complete deliverance and freedom. But there's another part. That's God's help and grace. There's another part, and it's your part and my part. Because our flesh is our flesh. And the Lord's not going to control our body for us. You can beg him. You can cry. You can tell other people, make me do right. Make me quit. Make me do it. They can't. And God won't. (laughs) Some people didn't like that. I've heard people say, "Oh God, oh God, just you know, I just want to turn my head off and just take me over, just take me over and control me and make me do right." You're praying in vain. That's right. God can't answer that prayer. Nope, that's right. There's two prayers God can't answer. (laughs) It's quiet (laughs) in (laughs) here. There's two prayers God cannot answer. One is you asking him to do what he's already done. He can't answer that prayer. Another one is you asking him to do what he told you to do. Mm -hmm. That was worth you combing your hair and coming to church tonight, right? Is that right? Right Right there. Do you reckon a lot of people are praying those two things? Begging God to do what he's already done. And begging God to make them do what he's told us to do. We're told to keep under our body and bring it into subjection. Your body is not anybody else's body. It's yours. And if you don't control it, it won't be controlled. And the thing that will help you uh, tremendously is to be able to use your own words to bind your flesh against something wrong. I know we talked about this this morning, but a lot of folks weren't here. Besides that, you that were here, do you mind hearing it again? <laughs> uh, look with me in Psalm 15. Psalm 15. I'm going to read some other verses to you while you're going to the Psalms. Job 22:28 says, "You shall decree a thing, and it'll be established to you." And the light will shine on your ways. You'll decree a thing, and it'll be established to you and for you. And light will shine on your ways. In Psalm 15, verse one 15:1, it says, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hills? Who's going to have close fellowship with the Lord? Who's going to walk in his abode and in his presence? Verse 2. He that walks uprightly and works righteousness, or what is right, and speaks the truth in his heart. Say it out loud. He speaks the truth. He speaks the truth. He speaks what? The truth. The truth in his heart. Now the devil is the father of lying. Lying did not exist. It was not a part of God's creation until the devil fathered it. Now that he, the devil, is the God of this world, as Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, lying, falseness, deception permeates the world. It's everywhere. And it can contaminate you if you let it. But in order for you to be, you and I to be faith people, and our words to carry power and weight, we have to be a person whose word is good. You cannot be a liar, you have to be a truth teller. Mark eleven twenty three says, you know, speaking to the mountain, uh, to be removed, if you believe that what you say comes to pass, you will have what you say. What do you have to believe? What, I say. what you say. Well, what if you lie part of the time? Mm-hmm. Come on. Then your own heart knows that your word is not to be trusted. Yes. And so, you're going to have difficulty, just like anybody else that lies to you part of the time, you're going to have difficulty trusting what they say, believing what they say. And anybody that's fallen in the same area over and over and over again, a believer, if you do something that's wrong, it bothers your heart. And after you've messed up, you don't want to do it again. And if you say, I'm not doing that anymore... I'm never going there again. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to watch that again. I'm never going to listen to that again. I'm never going to eat five pies at one time again. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to the mall and maxing out all my credit cards again. I'm never doing that again. But then if you do it again next month, uh-huh. you're a liar. Right. right. Your word is not true. And you don't have the ability... To bind your your flesh when you need to. Yes. Are y'all with me, friends? Yes. In order to to walk by faith, you got to be able to believe what you say, and the only way that's going to be true is if you stop lying. You stop, not just phase it back. You got to stop. Mm. Are y'all with me now? Yes. Yes. Do you want your words to have power yes. and carry weight? Do you want to be able to be a faith man and a woman? Yes. Then you have to stop lying because if you tell a lie, you didn't get it from God. Hmm. Where'd you get it from? You got it from the father of lies and you're yielding to him. So if you try to resist him, he's not going to go. No. Because he knows he doesn't have to. You're yielding to him. He doesn't have to yield to you. But if you'll submit yourself to God. And then resist. By telling the truth. And resist the devil. He has to flee. Keep reading. It says. uh, He that backbites not with his tongue. That's still talking about what you say. Nor does evil to his neighbor. Nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. That's also what you say in whose eyes of vile persons condemn but he honors them that fears the lord he that swears to his own hurt and changes not this is a word that doesn't change a word of integrity a word that can bind a word that can change situations because it won't change I know uh, I mentioned this morning, and it'll be worth telling again, that uh, the Lord taught me this some 35-plus years ago, one of the first times, when Phyllis and I were answering the call to go into the ministry. We had gone out to Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry and to Rhema Bible Training Center for their camp meeting in July, and this was 1980, I guess it was, and uh we took the tour of the the school, and while we were going through the buildings, the Lord quickened to Phyllis and me both that we were supposed to come there and go to school. It seemed impossible, but it was. We knew it was real. We talked about it driving back home for the ten hours, whatever it was, and uh, I got a uh, an application for the Bible school, and. Um, uh didn't do anything with it for a few days, but then I, uh, we talked about it and thought we need to put this application in. We need to make plans and we need to believe God. And and so uh, as I'm going through there, one of the things that it said, do you use tobacco? Will you agree that you won't use tobacco all the time you're with the school and associated with the school? And the problem was, I use tobacco. Uh, my dad smoked cigars, and 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 I smoked cigars sometime, and we used tobacco in other forms too. And it was just, you know, it was common around our parts. And I thought, huh, this is kind of a an issue here. So I thought about it for several days and tried to, you know, well, there's nothing in the Bible about can't use tobacco. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're laughing, aren't you? When your flesh wants something, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, your mind will do mental gymnastics oh, yeah. to justify it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I knew I loved the Lord, and yet I'm using tobacco. And um, I kind of, you know, I tried to get theological about it. Of course, didn't know enough about the Bible to, <laughs> to do it, but I tried to. And, and uh Anyway, if, if at one point I realized, now hold on. Are you really going to let tobacco prevent you from following the plan of God for your life? Are you going to let that cost you? If you do, it's an idol to you. Mm. It means more to you than the direction of the Holy Spirit. Come on. No, you're not going to do that. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. But when I went to quit... It, had, it was a stronger hold on me than I thought. Because I was thinking, you know, I'd I quit anytime I want to. <laughs> Y'all are laughing. But then, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd miss it. And my body would, would call for it. And the Lord showed me what to do. Use my words. And to say, I'm not going to use tobacco at all. I didn't have confidence to say forever, so I said for a certain amount of time. Go with me to Ecclesiastes, and let me show you one reason that we did it that way. Ecclesiastes 5 and 4, Ecclesiastes 5 and 4, when you vow a vow to God, defer not to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Now, Jesus modified this by saying, don't swear by heaven or the altar or by other things. Just let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. So we're told not to swear or vow by things, but that doesn't mean you're not supposed to make commitments with your words. Keep reading. Better is it that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Why? Well, you'd be a liar. Right? Right? Your word would have no meaning and have no weight. You're better off not saying you're going to do something than saying it and not doing it. It'll hurt your faith. It'll give the enemy something to bring condemnation on you, with. But that doesn't mean you don't ever say anything because then you're not using one of the strongest tools you have in your life to control your body. James said that just like the bridle controls the horse and the rudder controls the ship, that your tongue controls your body and your whole life. Doesn't it say that? You can use your mouth to control your body. That includes your organs your blood, your brain. But if half the time you say things, you don't mean it, you don't follow through, then when you try to use it to make something happen, it won't carry weight then either. We must stop saying things we don't mean and saying things we don't do. We must stop if we're going to Have victories if we're going to walk by faith. If you say you're going to be there. If it's within your power. You should be there. If you say you're going to do a thing. Then if later on. You you think well I I wish I hadn't said that. Yeah but you did. Does your word mean anything. Or not. In Psalms 15. (laughs) I'm getting looks across the crowd. Uh, Psalm 15 where we're reading. He said, uh, verse 4, he that swears to his own hurt and what? Doesn't change. Said out loud, an unchangeable word. word. What we're talking about is acting like our Father. His word is immutable, unchangeable, and it is impossible for him to lie. And because of that, When he tells us something, we can trust it completely, absolutely, no matter what kind of contradictions arise, we know. If he said it, it's true. If he said he'd do it, he will do it. No chance he might not. Well, we are made in his likeness and image. We are speaking spirits, given the right to choose our own words and put faith in them and release them just like he does. Now We're obviously not operating on the, the level of faith and vision that he does. He creates solar systems with his words. Mm-hmm. The universe and all manner of things. But we ought to be able to get a hold of our flesh for a few days. And if we'll quit lying... And make our word a word of integrity, you can use it. And the Lord showed me that back there those 36 whatever years ago. I saw it. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I said I didn't say it the first day. I didn't say it the first week. I pondered it. I looked at it. I got it in my heart. Yes, I'm going to make this commitment. I said, and I stood up and said it. Nobody was around. But I said, I'm not going to use any kind of tobacco for three months. Why three months? That's where my confidence was. Why not say a year? Why not say, well, those three months have come and gone, and 36 years have come and gone. <laughs> At the end of the three months, I realized I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't want it. But using my word to bind my flesh, because there were times, that you can you believe, during those three months, there were times I wanted some. But because my, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I said it before God. Yeah. Are y'all with me, saints? Yeah. I said it before the Lord. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going if I lie to God, I got nothing to work with now. Right. I can't have faith in my own words. I got condemnation now. Can you see why the enemy wants you to be like this? He can just keep you perpetually in a defeated state. But he's the loser. I said he's the loser because I don't care if you've been the biggest liar in the county. That can stop tonight. That can stop tonight. And I don't know where your confidence is, but if it's a prescription drug addiction, if it's a street drug addiction, if it's a lying addiction, if it's watching pornography addiction, whatever it might be, believe the prayer that you just prayed That God is right now working in me to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then as you have confidence, use your words and say, I am not doing this. If it's just a day, come on, y'all with me somewhere, release your faith and then make up your mind. Nothing's going to make a liar out of me. Nothing's going to get me to compromise my word before God. And what those three months where I used my word to bind my flesh gave God time to work on me. Hallelujah. He was working in me to will because it's into three months. I willed not to have it. Didn't even want it. Can you see this, friends? Is complete victory possible. I don't care how bad off you've been is complete deliverance and freedom possible and available bought and paid for by the blood of the Lamb. He will do his part
1: if we do our part.
0: Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Well I got you caught up with us. (laughs) Are you glad we went over that? Those of you who weren't with us? Uh, Go with me. To 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, please. And you'll see Paul doing this, the Spirit of God speaking through him, but him doing this with his own body. And we're going to get into something that we need to, to be thorough in this subject. It's possible to get completely free and stay free for years and then get back in bondage again. Mm-hmm. Don't have to. But it's possible because it's a Bible fact. The enemy will try to come back. Mm-hmm. You never have to let him. But he'll try. Right. And if you're not ready for it. Just being foolish. In 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12. He says, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. There were folks in the church at Corinth, and there are people doing it today, perverting grace. And saying, don't put me under bondage, don't put me under law, all things are lawful for me. Well, just because all things are lawful for you, doesn't mean you need to do all things. That's right. And if anything has you in bondage, and you feel like you have to do it, you need to get free. Yeah. And that's what Paul was saying by the Spirit of God, all things are lawful for me. But all things are not expedient or profitable or useful. All things are lawful for me, but I'm not going to be brought under the power of any of them. Then he starts mentioning, he said, foods. He's talking about food here. Meats is the word for food. If he's talking about meat like we think meat, the King James used the word flesh. Meat here is food. Food for the belly. Belly for foods. God will destroy both it and them. They're both going away. And the body's not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God has both raised up the Lord. He'll raise us up too by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Does it matter what we do with our bodies? Yes, it does. Shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. They, they had major problems with uh, sexual activity in the church at Corinth, because previously having sex with just any and everybody was part of their worship. Their idol temples. There were prostitutes that worked at the temple, and this was just part of their life. So to change all that and just have you know a husband and wife, this was a major change for them. And he's telling them, this is not right. He goes on to say, what, know you not, verse 16, that he which is joined to a harlot is one body, for two says he shall be one flesh. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. What does flee mean? Run. Here's something else that's our part. Running. (laughs) there are times you need to rebuke and bind and there are times you need to get out of there. You don't need and I don't need to put ourselves in an environment where we're subjected to unnecessary temptation. Especially in areas we've been delivered from. We're fools if we do. I heard a Uh, A lady say one time, you know, that she was a woman minister, and before she got saved, she uh, went to a lot of bars and and drank a lot and on the party scene. She had an amazing uh, salvation experience. But after a period of time, uh, she's thinking about her friends and and associates that are still in that lifestyle, and she wanted to help them and, and reach them, and God was using her. And so she went back into some of the bars to talk to her friends and her people. And, and she was sitting there one day, and she said she, she found herself running her finger around the top of a, a margarita glass that was belonged to somebody else and about to drink it. And she was alcoholic. And she realized, i got to get out of here. What am I doing in here? Can you see this, friends? The Scripture said, and we'll read this also... Well, let me finish reading this, and then we'll do the other. Flee fornication. Every sin a man does without the body. He that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? People say, well, it's my body. Not if you're a Christian. Well, it's my body. What do you care what I do with my body? If you are a believer, it's not your body. It's been bought. It's been paid for with a price. It's his body. See, you need to ask him if he's okay with you doing that with it. Uh Uh-oh. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Go to Romans 13, please. Do we want to be free? Do we want to stay free? I realize some of these things are not uh, what your flesh wants to hear. That's because your flesh wants to keep doing
1: That's right. what
0: it wants to do, right? Yep. Romans 13:13. 13, 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The BBE says, don't give thought to the flesh to do its desires. Don't provide a setting or a situation or a provision for your flesh to do what it wants to do. Get it away from that and out of that. Don't make it hard on yourself. Make it easy on yourself. Hmm? Go to Proverbs. There's a Godward side, and there's a manward side to these things. Jesus told Peter and the disciples in the garden before he went to the cross, he said, watch and pray so you won't enter into temptation. He said that a couple of times in that same 22nd chapter of Luke. So that you won't what? Enter into temptation. The devil cannot make us sin. He can't. All he can do is work on any wrong desires we have and entice us to enter into it. Or pressure us, do it. Do it. Just tell the lie. You don't want to hurt them. Tell the lie. Just tell it. Just tell it. Just take the money. Nobody will know. Just take it. And there's pressure. There's a push. There's a push. There's a push. He can't make you do it. What's he trying to get you to do it? Walk through the door. Can you see that? He's saying, here it is. You know you want it. You know you want it. Come on. Come on. Come on. You remember? (laughs) You know, you can be, before you got saved, maybe into a bunch of junk that you shouldn't have been into. And get saved, and the Lord absolutely deliver you from all of it, and make you totally free. And even months and years later, the enemy will come back and try to remind you of how your flesh liked it. It's kind of like an old boyfriend or old girlfriend that was wild and partied and and now you're married and, and you got a good relationship. And, and it's like that old boyfriend or girlfriend pulling up in the driveway on a Saturday night. And honking the horn and going, hey, remember me? Hey, you know you want it. Come on. You know you want to party. You know, Come on. And this shocks believers sometimes because you can go for years. And then all at once, here this is again. What you were delivered from. The devil cannot. Make you do anything. That's right. Can't. Doesn't have the power to. You are a son of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You got the greater one inside you. Mm-hmm. But he can entice you. And work on desires that you have in your flesh. That are not good and not right. And he can pressure and push and remind and remind. And he's perfectly fine. With you saying, I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to look. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to think about it for a little bit here. I'm not, and he's like, right, right. Because <laughs> what happens is you put a foot in the door. That's right. You're already yielding, you're already heading in. This is what happened. With Adam and Eve. Out in the garden. First of all, what are they doing out there? Hanging around the forbidden fruit tree. What are they doing out there? Hanging around there. And then the enemy shows up and goes, Pretty tree, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. He said, look at that fruit. Is that some of the best looking fruit you have ever seen in your life? wonder what it tastes like. And just about that time, a drop of dew uh, fell off one of them. It just looks the most amazing thing. And he said, and that's not the half of it. When you eat this, you will become so enlightened. You'll be like God. And the implication is, you won't really need him like you do now. And there's all kind of things going on here. But wouldn't it have been so much easier? if they hadn't even been out there? Or they hadn't even heard it? You don't have to cast down what you didn't hear. (laughs) Right? You don't have to cast down what you didn't see. I don't even have to ask you, are there a bunch of things you wished you'd never seen? Or never heard? Because the enemy brought it back to you. A thousand times, right? Trying to get you to Think about it, focus on it some more. Why? Listen to this in Proverbs. Proverbs four fourteen, and you'll see this language repeated because Proverbs is the wisdom book. Wisdom has to do with seeing the outcome of actions and seeing the results and future of actions. He says in Proverbs 414, enter not. Into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Proverbs 4.15. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. And pass away. Go away from it. Don't go by it. In Proverbs 5.8. The writer is warning his sons about prostitutes. And about the wayward woman. And he says in Proverbs 5, 8, he says, Remove your way from her. Come not near the door of her house. Then later on in Proverbs 7, he describes a young man who didn't heed this advice. And he said that he saw this young man who's going to the strange uh, woman, the, this is the, the prostitute's house. And he said, verse seven, Proverbs seven seven, I beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing down the street near her corner, and he went on the way to her house. If you never go down the street, there's no way you're going to go through the door of the house. If you won't go down the street, you're never going to go through the door of the house on that street. And it's easier to just not go down the street than it is to pass the house. The closer you get to it, you're making provision for the desires of the flesh. You're feeding it and you're actually giving. It's like you're saying, "Uh, come on, try to convince me. (laughs) Tempt me. And you're playing his game. And he would love for you to imagine that you are so strong and wise that none of his uh, reasonings and pulls can get to you. Oh, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to (laughs) talk. Famous last words. I, I went to a dealership one day. I saw a car out, and I went by the dealership. What are y'all laughing about? And uh, and his car was there, and I was looking at it, and the salesman came by, and he was real nice. He said, uh, hi. I said, hi. He said, can I help you? I said, no, I'm just looking. He, he said, that's how it starts. <laughs> Man, that went off in me like a shot. That is the truth. Amen. That's, right. that's how It starts. What was Adam and Eve doing out there in the garden? They're not going to do anything, right? No, they're not going to eat anything. They're just looking, and the enemy will try to convince you. Well, you you, you know, what will it hurt? Just you can go down the street. You're not going to (laughs) stop. Then when you get there, well, you can pull in the driveway. You're not going in. We're not going in. No, we're definitely not going in. In an hour or two. Well, you could go in on the front porch. This is how he works. He's perfectly fine with you saying you're not going to do it all day and night as long as you'll take a step closer to it. Because you're already yielding. Let's say you're trying to uh, lose a few pounds. It's far easier to pass the grocery store than it is your refrigerator. (laughs) Right? Because your refrigerator can be just feet from you. And it can call your name. (laughs) Is that right? Have you ever heard your refrigerator call your name? (laughs) It's easier to pass by the cookie aisle than it is your favorite cookie. If you're wanting to stay away from them, I got nothing against cookies. But whatever it is you're you're saying, I'm. Let's say you used your words and you're saying I'm not spending money and shopping for the next uh, month. Then you may need to go out of the way to not even drive by the mall. Right, right. And the devil will say, you, "Oh, you're not that weak. You're not that weak." That's him talking to you. You can handle this. You can have no, you can't. Everybody's flesh is the same, and it starts small, and it just keeps getting bigger and further and further and further, and then you fall, and how did I get here? Mm-hmm. It didn't happen the last step, it happened way back there. That's right. And not only that, you can be on somebody else's territory where you don't have authority. And you're actually, it's advantage enemy. You're on his turf. And he can bring the temptation so much stronger. This is why there are times when you need to get up and go. Joseph is a perfect example. Anybody remember Joseph? It's a perfect example of temptation of any kind. He was a servant in Potiphar's household, the Egyptian. And God gave him supernatural ability as an administrator. And he handled things so perfectly that Potiphar just kept turning everything over to him until he's running everything. And it's running like a Swiss watch. And they're making money hand over fist. And Joseph himself is making money. He's a slave, but he's a rich man. But Potiphar's wife got to eyeing Joseph He was a good-looking young guy. And so, she kept making hints, and she kept being close to him, and, and saying inappropriate things to him, and finally one day, she has it arranged. Everybody's gone, everybody's out of the house, calls him in there to do some things, and she makes her move, and he didn't say, we need to talk. What did he do? The Bible said... He fled. He ran right out of his coat. She's got a hold of him and she, he, he runs right out of his coat. She's talking to him and then she's talking to an empty coat. <laughs> and she turns around and there's a trail of dust. Where's Joseph? He's gone. <laughs> because there comes a time When you do not need to talk. For one thing. He doesn't have authority. Over her. He's in their house. Come on can you see this. He doesn't have authority here. He needs to get out of here. Out of here. And. Because he did that. He didn't fall that day. Let me get into something else. (laughs) Why does this matter? It matters for so many reasons. But in Second Timothy, if you'd go there. Sit out loud, don't go near the door of the house. If you've had a problem with drinking, with alcohol. There are stores, there are places, there are bars, even signs. You don't need to see you don't need to be around them. If you need to, take a different route. Use a different road. I've known of people who they watch stuff on their computer that they shouldn't have watched and fail so many times. And finally, they realize, I need to get this computer out of my office or out of my bedroom and put it in the family room. And I only use it certain hours. What are you doing? You're not making provision for the desire of the flesh. You're changing your environment. Making it easier on yourself. Eliminating unnecessary temptation. Avoiding it. Staying away from it. It's not being weak. It's being wise. It's not being weak. It's doing what the Bible told you to do. He knows us, doesn't he? If he said don't go near the door of the house... You're not going to say, oh, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. That's pride. Yeah. That's ignoring what he said. If he said, don't go near the door of the house, stay away from the house. Yeah. yeah, but we just need to go over there and do some other stuff. Yeah, but come on. I mean, can have you ever seen the enemy will work a dozen different things why you need to go by there? Right. Yeah. Well, I got to. I need to. No, no, no. Especially if it's something that's been a stronghold in your life and you got delivered from you need to stay away stay clear make it easy on yourself not hard on yourself now in 2 Timothy 2:19 2, the foundation of God he said stands sure having this seal the lord knows them that are his And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Why? But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. How do you become a vessel of honor? Now, he's talking about containers. Containers. In the house. Some containers were used to house precious olive oil that was worth a lot of money. Other containers were used to hold garbage. Just like in your house today. The garbage would be a vessel under dishonor. The one that would hold the treasure of the oil, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, is a type vessel of honor. How do you become a vessel of honor? Read the verse. Verse 21, if a man will do what? Purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work that we already prayed that he is working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I believe this is a Holy Ghost word tonight, right right here. Why does the enemy bother us with temptation? Why? Same reason he did with Jesus. When Jesus was baptized... And he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came on him in the shape and form of a dove. Immediately after that, he was subjected to temptation 40 days and 40 nights. Why? Why then? He was the Son of God days and months and years before that. Why then? Why not after that? It was because his holy vessel had received the Holy Spirit. And the devil is afraid of this anointing. What does this anointing do? It destroys yokes. Whose yokes? His yokes. It removes burdens. Whose burdens? The devil's burdens. And if he can get Jesus to override what he knows is right, to yield to the temptation, he has disqualified him. From being the vessel that he's supposed to be, and if he's got condemnation because he's missed it, his faith is not going to work. If he doesn't mix his faith with the power, there's not going to be release of healings and miracles like there was. The same with you and me. Even though we might have been in the dredges of sin, when we got saved, we got saved. And the Lord will clean you up, and if you'll let him, he will make you, with your cooperation, a vessel unto honor. You might have been full of some bad stuff years ago, but now you can house holy revelation, holy anointing, not a garbage pail, but a vessel unto honor but you got to purge yourself and your life from things that contaminate and defile. He said, be ye holy that bear the vessels of the Lord. It's not that God doesn't like you. It's not that God's put up with you, disgusted with you. It's just you lose confidence. Oh, but the blood of the Lamb still speaks off the mercy seat and cleanses. From every stain. Hallelujah. Somebody say, The blood, the blood has cleansed me, cleansed me, has washed me, has washed me and I will, I will purge myself from all those wrong things, those wrong things and, I and I will be a vessel unto honor, vessel unto honor sanctified. sanctified and meat fit, fit for the master's use and, master's use and prepared, and prepared. Unto, every good work. unto every good work. What was the enemy trying to do with Joseph? Why did this be, this became, you can see it in the text, it became an obsession with Potiphar's wife. Why? This is not natural. Anytime you become obsessed like that, Spirits are involved. She didn't realize it. He probably didn't either at the time. Why? Joseph has a call on his life. There is the vision and dream that God gave him before he was sold into slavery. And if you read the Psalms, was it Psalm 107? Long in there, 105, it talks about that he... You know, until the time that his vision came the word of the Lord tried him he never let go of that vision even when he was put in jail you see him he kept his joy how can you keep your joy if you believe you're shut up for your, the rest of your life he was convinced that vision he saw as a boy was coming to pass and God had called him and prepared him To save a whole nation. Hadn't he? What's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to mess it up. What if. Joseph had yielded. To the temptation. And one thing led to another. And led to another. And he had been caught up with her. And then got caught up with something else. And got caught up with something else. His confidence would have gone away. He would have let the vision slip away from him. Is everybody awake? Can you see this? He would have let that vision and that dream get away from him and quit believing for it because the enemy will come and say, oh, you've messed up. You've messed everything up. You've blown everything. You can forget all of that. Wouldn't have to be that way, but if you give up and quit, it will be that way. Somebody say No? 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 No, I will not be a vessel unto dishonor. With his help, we can be purged from what defiles and what hinders. Didn't he say, run your race with patience, doing what? Laying aside every weight and every sin that would hinder you, that would slow you down. It's not just about, oh, it's bad, oh, it's bad. It's about the enemy trying to stop you and what you were made to be and what you were made to do, trying to rob your confidence, rob your faith, steal the vision, steal the dream that God gave you and get you just to sit down and wait to die. Somebody say, not me, not me, not me. That was a little weak. Not me. Not me. In the name of Jesus. No matter how badly you have messed up, that's not your whole life. you got some in front of you. Is that right? Amen. You can say, by the grace of God, yes. I'm putting that behind me. Amen. We know how to do it. God is working in me to will and do of his good pleasure. I'm going to use my words to help control my own flesh. And between him and me, yeah. there's nobody greater than him. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Let that soak in for just a minute. Thanks, Peter. In fact, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes and begin to praise the Lord. Begin to thank Him. I want you to, by faith, look towards the future, not behind you. Paul said, Forgetting those things that are behind. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In not too many days, our lives will be over. We can't do anything about the time that's already passed. But we do have a choice about how we spend our remaining days. If you live another 50 years, God time, that's like an hour maybe. Yeah. You know, it's going to come and go so fast and you're going to be out of here. He said, don't love the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. It's, you can get caught up in the stupor and it's like a drug and you can get caught up in trying to feed and satisfy your flesh and you wake up and 40 years has passed and you had not been pursuing the plan of God. It's a trick of the devil. But the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit is here. And the power of the Holy Spirit to be free is here. Hallelujah. Let's open up our hearts and let the Holy Spirit work on us some this evening. Let's let him work inside some more. He's already, we prayed, he's already working. Let's let him work some more and work further. Hallelujah. Just keep your eyes closed. Don't focus on things in the room and around you. Don't think about what happened today or what's going to happen You know, in work or school or at the house. Push that aside. And try to think in terms, see your life the way God would see it. Not for condemnation, but for how to redeem the remaining days. Said out loud, Father God. Father God. Forgive me. Forgive me for any wasted days. any wasted time, any times I've allowed the enemy to distract me, discourage me, I'm forgetting those things that are behind. And I'm looking ahead by faith to the path you've called me to that shines brighter and brighter As I follow you. And I'm asking you. Of your grace and mercy. Show me how. To redeem. The time. Show me the best. And highest use. Of my remaining days. And how to be. Purged, Purged from every hindering thing, every, hindering. every unclean thing, every, every, every defiling thing, every, defiling. every hindering thing, every hindering. And, be and be a vessel, a vessel of honor, of honor unto, you. unto you. Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah.